welcome back to Resonant Reels, where we talk about random movies and TV. I'm Adam. I'm Chandler. See, I'm trying to make it better. This, we'll, we'll get there. You'll, you'll come on this journey with us, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's also interesting because we're not in the same room, so it's like we're talking from different places in the world and different times. And Chandler doesn't have a fucking video camera, so I can't even see his face during any of this. I, I, whoa, whoa, sir, I got one. Look at that. Wait, what? we could have been on camera this whole time? Yeah. Do you understand how much fucking easier it is to have a conversation with somebody when you can see them? <laughs> Sorry. All right. I, I specifically got it because Tristan, a friend of ours, kept giving me so much crap. I'm very proud of you. Sadly, you listeners don't get our pretty faces, but it's making it easier so we can see our pretty faces. Um, My ADD feels resolved because I was desperately trying to (laughs) be like, okay, this is not the kind of thing where you scroll on your phone. This is something you stay actively engaged in. And I've recorded for other podcasts before, like D&D style, like TTRPG stuff. And I always make them turn their cameras on. I was like, if I can't see you, I'm not in this journey. I was like, I'm gone. (laughs) Great. So we're helping each other. So we can figure out timing. Ah, See, it's a journey for everyone on the podcast. Uh, Me being a punk and, uh, you know, slowly helping make life easier for for each other. That's that's what we do here. Um, All right. right, So so weird. (laughs) Cool. Uh (laughs) Figure it out. It's great. it's, It's fun doing this over Discord, you know? Oh, boy. All right, so our movies this week, uh, my pick was Twilight from 2008. Uh, and my movie was uh, Good Old Sex Drive, also from 2008. Um, I'll start us off for this week. Awesome. So on the theme of guilty pleasure, uh, I had to pick Twilight. I feel like it has become a cult classic in a lot of ways, and I want to clarify that statement by saying I do not think that the series has become a cult classic by any means i think that specifically the first twilight movie which is called twilight because none of the other ones are called twilight has a following of people who range from i read these books when i was in middle school and i like bought the merch from hot topic uh ranging to like wow there was a point in time where like I found this possibly enjoyable and looking back, this movie is horrid. But uh, And so that is the camp that I fall into right now, which is when it first came out, dude, I was all about it. I was like, I read all the books. I watched all the movies. I, I, I was there. I was with it. And then I didn't touch any of it for like seven years. And then I came back and, and it's one of those things where you're like, at a movie watching party and like you watch your main movie, but everybody still wants to hang out. And so it's like trying to find something like to put on and someone goes, what about twilight? And everyone's like, Oh my God. Yeah. I haven't seen twilight in forever. And then they put the movie on and you sit there and you're like, wow, we, this was something that truly somehow was a cultural phenomenon. And I, guilty pleasure, will occasionally still put it on, like every every so often. Never alone. It's never like a go-to alone movie. But if it's like, if uh, if my girlfriend and I can't figure out something to like collectively watch, or the example I gave of like a party, Twilight has wound up 
being watched by me more than I ever thought possible, but it's always a guilty pleasure. Like I'm enjoying it because I now think it's bad. Like that's where I'm at. Is it? <laughs> gotcha. I got you. I got you. I, I, <laughs> this whole time I'm just nodding and staring at Adam, like watching him defend himself because he's just waiting for me to just be angry at this movie. Chandler, Chandler warned me that he has rants and, and anger prepared. Um, so <laughs> I think something that is also good to note is that everybody who is in this movie can't stand this movie. Um, like if you look at all of the interviews with like Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson and Anna Kendrick, like all of them are like, yeah, that is a thing that I did and I did get paychecks. And and I think it's unfortunate specifically that Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson's careers less Robert Pattinson now because of the Batman and the and like Lighthouse and stuff, but at least up until that point we're like very dominated by like this marking the jump off points of their of their careers into like true stardom. Uh, Kristen Stewart, I would argue, also has gone out of it with with uh the few really good drama pieces that she's been in. Yeah, I I would agree. And like, I I feel like, and I'm also glad that they didn't necessarily do like the Disney channel route of going like overly sexual, overly like I am an adult, view me as an adult. Like they, they very much did their own thing. And it has been very clear to me that like they got their twilight paychecks. They're going to continue to get their twilight paychecks. And now they can like go on their, artistry journey as as artists and actors yeah i mean we can stay positive we could just talk the movie as a <laughs> no, movie no, no. Before. i want to i want to hear your i get your get your seething rage we'll out start oh, start, we'll start positive <laughs> and, and then we'll divulge into to rage and then yeah there's got to be some appreciate because i i've i did some deep diving um i am a fan of horror so it's hard for me being a person who grew up on watching a lot of monster movies and stuff like that. Also, I'm a big fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And that kind of speaks volumes for me as well. But I did some research because, you know, there's lots talked about with this movie. Um, Catherine Hardwick is the director, right? Yes. When watching this, I was just like, hold on. Because uh, my brain just goes other places when I have to rewatch something I'm not a huge fan of. No offense. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, didn't she show up on this Eli Roth series in the horror movies? And I was like, oh, she did. Because uh, Eli Roth did this like history of horror kind of mini series for like AMC, and I think it like showed up on Shutter for a time. And there's like podcast episodes that are like further deep dives, and he has a whole podcast episode with Catherine Hardwick. I did a little listen because I was just curious of like, why why would you direct a movie like this? And to her, it's it's much less a supernatural horror film traditionally in a love story. It's a forbidden love story. And I was like, okay, I can see that. I think I just have the baggage of the rest of the saga that, you know, hurts it right so i was like i was like i have to give credit where credit's due like i i can see that especially for like a 2008 and like understanding all the other 
13 movies that were being released at the time. I mean, it's also competing with like Harry Potter, right? That's really interesting because I don't think at any point did I ever view the books or the movies as even obviously, I mean, we're talking about like vampires and werewolves, but like I always viewed it as more of like a Romeo and Juliet forbidden love thing rather than like a horror moment or or a monster moment or even really a fantasy moment i think that this was like a lot of people's weird fan fiction it's like the of, of like oh this is like this is really taboo subjects but also they're falling in love so i'm i'm glad that you shared that because i think off the bat we just had very different expectations maybe of what it was from the beginning when it was all first released yeah, and I guess I just, I come from, like, I've watched a lot of vampire movies and stuff that play around with what vampires are in those universes, and this one was, like, very different, and, like, I think I just, I just had this, like, terrible baggage with it from, like, when it initially came out, I was just, like, I hated this movie since it came out kind of thing, because I just despise sparkling vampires. <laughs> like, what is this? I mean, that was, like, the biggest thing that got ridiculed, I feel like. And then they did not help themselves by making it such a moment in the second movie, which I know we're not going to talk about. But like everybody was just trolling that moment from the first film. And then they turned around and were like, let's also make it a really big plot point dramatic moment in the second film. Oh, geez. Uh, I, I will be honest with you. This is one of those movies that is like a drinking game movie for me Ooh, because okay. of just how much I despise it <laughs> and rant while I slowly get more and more intoxicated. Of course, you know, drink responsibly, sure. trust the people you're with, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, it's just it's just one of those like long time movie on my list for drinking games for like if if I'm doing a get together people and want to do a drinking game night kind of thing. I'm like, oh, I got a Twilight drinking game. I well, I think something you might I, do you, did you look into the the screenplay writer at all? Mm -mm. Okay, so she was actually the head writer. Uh, Melissa Rosenberg, uh, Rosenberg, Rosenberg gotcha. was actually the head writer for Dexter. And also was the creator of Jessica Jones for Netflix. Oh, so it's so fascinating to me to like look at it. Honestly, had like going off of what you just said with um, finding that further information from like Catherine Hardwick, a, a pretty stellar director, a pretty stellar like screenwriter, killer uh, like actors, and we still wound up with the movie we wound up with. Yeah. And I, I think that like comes down to like source material. Like maybe the yes. source material ain't that great, you know, to try and make this into a film franchise, you know? Sure. Um, or it's people who this was a growing pain of like, we're doing this and not sure how to do this because they're trying to write dialogue for a bunch of teenagers, right? Yep some teenagers because others are vampires have been alive for hundreds of years oh, just, and yet yeah i don't <laughs> yeah i don't understand the dialogue it's just so i think this was like a, a prime example of like a young adult novel that had a lot of potential to be like quote unquote good by like what we as adults who have now read more experienced more media 
and things like define that. And at the time, I feel like, and and I'm not throwing you into this camp. Uh, so you know, but I feel like the two main camps. Uh, when this got popular were really like the group who were like that's so fucking stupid I can't believe you like that like intentionally distancing themselves from something that was very like popular that you know everybody was obsessing over like I remember all the girls showing up to school and like I mentioned earlier they're like hot topic purchased team Edward shirts and things you know and like stuff like that and then the other camp was like these people who read it and like found it to be a compelling, intriguing story. And I absolutely felt, like I said, into that camp of like, I read all the books. I remember like really loving getting excited to read them. And I feel like the Harry Potters, the Twilights, the Percy Jacksons, like, don't don't get me wrong, I'm not putting them all in the same like dialogue storytelling category. But like, as novel series were kind of the last like really big like YA kind of movement before we all aged out of being young adults and like now like adults and so like because right now I mean you don't even you don't really hear anything about like a new series they're they're doing prequels to um hunger games like they're right they're they're they've done prequels for harry potter like they're just leeching off of this source material that truly came out of like the you know early 2000s 2010s kind of early 2010s obviously like era into stuff and so uh, again I, I i think that as adam right now i can absolutely look at this movie and be like wow this is trash but like adam in 20 you know Eight, 2008 was like yeah let's i want to watch twilight like i'm so excited i went to the midnight premiere of new moon like i was i was ready like and so, gotcha you're one of those I, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was one it was one and to be fair i had a lot of critiques of the later like books and movies and i again i think that's because i started to get older and and, and that's not to be like you know, I don't think that's to necessarily say that people, authors of young adults need to write young or that there should be a lower standard. I absolutely don't think that I like, I think Harry Potter, uh, I also would like to make a statement that I do not support JK Rowling in any way, shape or form. Um, and I will put that out there. But that Harry Potter as a world as a storyline is still for me as an individual, like a, a very impactful, like thing. And I think it was written really well and it was written really beautifully and again getting older now looking back at that i can see that some of the tropes that were written in were problematic and like things like that and like at that time at that age when i did read all of those and went to those movies like were not something that i would have necessarily like caught on to so that's that's and that's why this is like for me it is the guiltiest of guilty pleasures i <laughs> I guess, I guess, I can see it. I can see the charm. I can see it, like, and I, I can see the history, you know, because that there was, there was a big craze. There was a bigger craze for like all these young adult book series to film adaptations, because it was just like everyone wanted to be Hunger Games kind of thing, because Hunger Games was like the biggest one. I mean, after Harry Potter, I mean, right? Harry Potter was was an epic is an epic still right yeah but like you had hunger games and everyone's trying to find the 
the spark that made the Hunger Games really good as film adaptations, because arguably those are some really good films for the Hunger Games series, right? Yeah. But it's just like you get Twilight, you get Divergent, you get like all these like, oh, and it's just like everyone's just trying to make money because Hollywood is liking this right now. That part. They're pandering. Yeah, there's a lot of pandering. And it's just like I... I don't think that was like the intention of everyone on the production crew when it came to Twilight. Like, I don't doubt that because of like the things I've listened to Catherine Hardwick say and stuff. I think it's just there is a little bit of just out of touchness when it comes to like teenagers and who they are as people and what they're going through and, you know, being culturally relevant enough. Right. And like, that's always a hard thing. Like, it's. It's it's hit or miss when it comes to young adult film material kind of thing. It's it's really hit or miss of whether or not it was accurate enough or if it was just nowhere near understanding of who these young people are. Because, like, you know, us being now, the generations below us are completely different than who we are because of the way they've grown up in the world. Because, you know, that just is what it is, right? For our listeners, I just ended three years of teaching uh, high school. And it has been a fascinating experience to learn what this upcoming generation is like, just in general, all the way around. I, I, I love my, my students dearly. But like, the, and some, this, is, this is the example I often give, because to me, it was absolutely mind blowing. None of them knew how to use a flash drive. And like, to me, that, it, that is such a like, small thing but it was like a key element to like all of my schooling like was like you need a a, you need a flash drive to like save your papers and like now everything's like wireless and so I literally handed them like a flash drive one day and they looked at me in panic because they had no idea what it like what I was asking them to do they knew it was a flash drive right but they were like I don't know how to like use this once I plug it into the computer and I was like wow so they are vastly different they are like a whole other society of humans being raised right now they would eat twilight alive (laughs) (laughs) exactly yeah yeah point yeah point made point made do you have any more positive things you want to say about the movie like uh i'm like i'm teetering i got i got like two positive things like i got two moments that i liked a lot listen i I think that um I think that my my quote unquote positives are again they are enjoyment from the like badness. So like I'll I'll let you give me a couple moments and I'll chime in. I have two moments that are my that that are I feel like worth bringing up for me and one is like a genuine enjoyment and one is like a it just makes me laugh so hard because of how bad it is. So <laughs> So I'll let you I'll let you take the reins. All right. Okay, cool. I mean, I'll start with my good. I have a couple good moments, right? I mean, I will always go to it because it's it's enjoyable. The the baseball scene. You got it. That's just fun. You got it. It's just fun. I, I can't argue with that. I'm like, that's cool. Vampires playing baseball ridiculously before I dive into the dumb semantics of how they have quote unquote superpowers and I'll rant about that later, but but yeah, the baseball scene. You got Muse playing their crazy, super massive black hole song, right? I think it was that or something like that in the background. And it's just like, it's like powerful and stuff. And I'm like, 
it's just fun. That's just fun. And it's one of those cultural things now, too, where anybody who hears that song thinks of the baseball scene from Twilight. Like that song is no longer like a standalone piece. It is like that song from Twilight. Like, yeah. The weird thing is the most realistic set of dialogue is when it's Bella, right? Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Has her, Bella has her fake fight with her dad. So she can leave the house. That is the most realistic dialogue in the whole movie, in my opinion. Like, please come after me. I do not care. I will take it on all. But everything else dialogue in this movie, which is not realistic. And it was just a bunch of angsty, moody BS. Like, I just did not care for it. I was just like... You're not capturing angsty teen well enough. You're trying to and failing terribly. <laughs> sure. I mean, every uh, there's a reason I think like Chris, Kristen Stewart is so memed from Twilight specifically is it, because like were some of those character choices? Sure. I'm sure they were. Was some of that probably direction of like be angstier? Because I want to I want to look it up. But I remember reading somewhere that like Stephanie Meyer, the the author of Twilight, was like involved with casting and or like being on set. Okay, okay. Here you look that up, and I'll and I'll keep going because I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised that they gave her kind of like the uh, the J.K. Rowling treatment kind of thing. Yeah, no, the dialogue was rough. Uh, I was losing my mind, and I was just like, I wish I was drinking. <laughs> which is you know not not healthy habit choices but it was hard it was hard because it's just the dialogue was just bad and i was like are high schoolers really this awkward but then i'm like thinking was i this awkward in high school <laughs> at times it was making me question my own reality of like but you know i think i was just a stupid kid honestly when it came to like thinking back at high school and stuff like that because you know had a lot of growing up to do and maturing. But man, yeah, so the dialogue was driving me crazy. Oh, sorry, I did find it. So it says that Stephanie Myers was able to give her opinions on everything from who was cast to the style of the dress Bella wore to her wedding. So she was like, and she cameoed twice. She has cameos in Twilight and Breaking Dawn Part 2. Interesting. So she was like very involved with the process. And I think just because it is such a strict religion, it is worth noting that she is very Mormon. And so there is, there are also like, again, looking back as an adult, there are a lot of really interesting, like Christian undertones throughout the, the, the storylines as well. Yeah. Okay. I kind of see that. I think it's harder when it comes to adapting it to film because you're allowing these other creative people, but like, I can only imagine when you read the book. I haven't read the books, so I'll be that, be clear with that with everybody. I don't doubt that. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. Wasn't wasn't on my alley. I'm a big sci-fi person when it comes to reading material. <laughs> I like my science fiction. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's that's fascinating. That's fascinating to to think about further. No, like the dialogue is just like unrelatable. All these people just I didn't care about. I was just like, oh no, you're in the. Were they in Washington or Oregon? I can. It was so obscure for half the movie. They're, they're in Washington, Forks, Washington, which is a real place. Well, they don't like talk about the town. They're just like, I'm just up north. 
And I'm just like, great. It's rainy. Great. Whatever. I will say. <laughs> Does the color really change this much to such bleakness? What? <laughs> also, being from Arizona, though, I will argue that another piece of realistic dialogue is when her like new school friends were like, so aren't you supposed to be like really tan? That was 100% my experience with all of my family that lived on the East Coast. They're like, aren't you supposed to be like really tan? And I'm like, it's too hot to go outside ever. I think it nailed it being like, it's a small town vibe because it's it's a small town. So like everybody knows each other kind of thing. But like, it's also weird because I'm like, if it's this small a town, how do you have everyone in high school? There's some in inconsistencies for me personally a lot throughout because i'm just like how do you have this many people in high school then that you have like what that's me looking into it and being you know super you know nitpicky of details and stuff like that because i despise most of this movie but yeah i i mean i i hated the color temperature treatment because it i know the intention partly is you know, to make the vampires look more like vampires, but it ended up everyone looking pale and ugly, in my opinion. Yes, I agree. I agree. <laughs> but then, like, also talking with my partner, and she was saying how, like, well, there was, like, a directional direction choice with that of it being a comparison or a metaphor of depression. And I'm like, Sure, but could you do it so it's not distracting <laughs> or annoying? Also, like, I don't feel like that necessarily read very well. Like, like if that that would be something that you like look up, like Twilight ending explained. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's the that's the vibe of that. Yeah, and it's just like, and that's just not like even me getting into the lore of things because it's just like. Why'd you break vampires, man? Vampires supposed to be these sexy, forbidden fruit creatures, and you just made them gross and sparkly to me. Like I, you missed the sex appeal. Like that's the point of them as 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 a creature, because you know vampires do have a lot of Catholic connection, kind of stuff historically. Yeah, I'll, I mean, yeah, I'll start the rant, man. I will just go for it. Go for it. Dive in. Vampires. What? What? What the fuck? What the fuck? Man, I. Uh, the super speed, but only some of them have super speed. The super strength, but only some of them have super strength. But yet they all have it at the same time. I don't understand the rules. The rules do not make sense. Uh some of them can see the future, and I'm like, what? What? What is this? The X Men? Like, <laughs> are you making your supernatural X Men? Because this is what it feels like. And then, like, like I was trying to like remember all the superpowers, and I don't because they just kept pissing me off. Oh, I got you. So, <laughs> um, the one of the ones you're missing as well is Jasper, uh, who can control people's emotions and the way that they're feeling. <laughs> what is what? What? Like, how, 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 how? Yep. I don't know. I don't remember a, a few of them. I don't, because maybe they're just like, quote unquote, general vampires. I don't know what that means in this world, but. Like, there's so many things that are like, oh, this is really, really interesting. And then you miss the mark. It's like, oh, you're setting up something really good. And then it's gone. It's gone. And it's just like. This, like, other vampire trio that's, like, you know, causing havoc by killing randos and stuff like that. 
like that was like an interesting confrontation and it's just like nope this is it and then like the one guy's like chill just shows up at the house and it's just like yeah no no he's fine guys he's fine he's just warning us and walks out i'm like how what i don't understand vampires i guess i mean yeah i feel like if you are trying to watch this from the perspective of all the lore that has ever been defined for vampires and werewolves, you're going to have a bad time. <laughs> and like, I like some of like the Nancy Drew-esque tiny 15-minute chunk that Bella had to like, oh, what are these like lore kind of stuff? But like it co- completely quickly goes out the window because fucking uh edward just shows up and is a crazy like he's on drugs i'm like is he on meth is this meth like and i'm like yeah um yeah i i feel like um i don't disagree with anything that you've said at all at all my moment that i genuinely liked was the baseball scene. My moment that I love watching every single time because of how horrid it is, is when Edward decides to like put Bella on his back and says the line about like, hold on tight spider monkey. And then they are jumping through the trees. I remember when that CGI was some of the like pinnacle of CGI and you watch it a year later even like this came out in 2008 you watch that movie in 2009 horrible horrible i like watching them jump through the trees is actually so funny that i cannot like contain my laughter because it is just it looks like a spoof it looks like something that was done as a as a way to mock this movie but it is is actually this movie you you want to know what's really funny? Like I was like, who did the VFX? And I watched through the credits, and I was like, ILM, ILM, Industrial Light and Magic, the people who did Star Wars and are known for like ground, they did what VFX? And then I was just like, oh wait, there's three other VFX companies. They probably did the most of it, and ILM just had the biggest billing because they probably did the baseball scene. Probably that tracks. Yeah. And that's all they could afford VFX wise, because like ILM's rates are like up there. Like if you want quality, they'll give you quality. It costs you, though. Also, just generally the like weirdness, again, being an adult and like looking back and the only character that I truly resonate with in this part of my life is Charlie, her dad, because he's the only one (laughs) with any sort of common sense. He's like. What is happening? Like, but also rolling with the punches. That that character is is my enjoyment of the film. And unfortunately, he is not in a lot of it. But I, I feel like that is an accurate portrayal of a dad. I feel like he's 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 a he's a dad. I'm like, cool, great, good job. No, I get yeah, he's yeah, he's one of those dads who doesn't know to how to connect with his daughter and it's funny. I do I do enjoy that. Like it's it's realistic more or less. He's he's very distanced, but he like wants to do good. It's funny. It's funny. So like that's why like that fake fight dialogue scene like I actually, you know, resonated a little bit with me. And I was like, okay. Because the only believable character was this father <laughs> this whole movie. Was it because I feel like my movies are blending no that's in the second movie never mind so i won't talk about it he i was gonna say they give him a very classic dad joke of um like 
cleaning his shotgun when someone comes to take Bella for a date. Oh, no, that was in this movie. That was in this one. It was this movie. Okay, okay, good, good, good. Yes, and I'm like, that was always very funny to me because, like, do I necessarily like that trope? No, like, we don't need dads out here being toxic, threatening to shoot their daughter's dates. But, like, for him, it just seems so out of character of like this is what i'm supposed to do to be an intimidating father uh and so i i in this moment i loved it <laughs> i think my biggest issue with this movie was just like i didn't know where the plot was going the whole time because it, it didn't know itself because it like you had these murders going on in the background but you're like oh is there gonna be more involvement of like that subplot but no it was like just touch 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 like you're just touching a bunch of these plot points and then it's just like this vampire's after Bella because it's a game to him. And I'm like, that literally only was an idea after the baseball scene where I learned what kind of vampire, like, like I have no stakes in this game. Like, I don't, I don't care what happens to these characters because I don't understand what's happening in the movie kind of thing. And then, and like, and like uh, that feels like a flop to me personally. And like, that's why I, I think I just do not like this movie. Cause I just, it's just not great storytelling. And it's probably just like down to like they're adapting a book to a movie. There's only so much you can do. And, and it's probably like studios being like, we want this at 90 minutes. You can't have a two hour epic kind of thing. There's probably a bunch of production reasons. And like, you know, the, they are the best they got, but still flopped in my opinion. But that's me. That's me. I can take all the hate in the comments. Let me know why I'm wrong. I, I'll take it. I got thick skin. Fight me. Fight me. I will also say that on a production side, it is widely known now that the indigenous tribe that 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 the whole like native part plot of the of the books and of the movies um, were never compensated, asked for approval of anything like those are real places with like real not uh, I don't necessarily think the werewolf part but like traditions and lore and things and like never never acknowledged by stephanie meyer or and 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 ultimately it does land on her because they were directly used for source material and and things for the the books so good classic cheeky mid thousands appropriation you know classic classic uh terribleness got it well, I'm glad someone made a fuss, at least. And, you know, I mean, I think everyone's trying to be better and acknowledge and put uh, put credit where credit's due, you know, and give respect where it's, where it's deserved kind of thing. Because that, that matters. That very much matters. So you can't just take stuff and uh, someone else's culture and just make it your own kind of thing. And, you know, maybe misrepresent it at times, because I, I don't imagine... I can only imagine some of it's been misrepresented. Oh, <laughs> what do you mean? That's crazy. What? That's slander. We're going to get sued now because of that comment, Chandler. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, I, I was being generic. I wasn't pointing fingers, okay? Also, uh, what was his name? Jacob. Is it Jacob? Jacob, the werewolf. Yes, yes. Who's not a werewolf. We don't know they're werewolves in this, but like... Yet, yeah. He's a, you know, cultural zeitgeist. I know better werewolves right it's 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 also kind of made clear in the movie in the first one at least but he just like shows up 
like that stalker like no but like edward's the same and i'm like that stalker and like him showing up in a room i'm like that red flags red flags i don't like any of this like oh neither of them neither of them were had green i mean they were both walking red flags if we're being very honest yep yep that which was uh rough but again the craze that 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 love triangle had over society was absurd i remember girls literally got into fights in middle school over being like team jacob versus team edward that it like now that's truly like hormones raging and things but like the fact that 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 and 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 i have talked to other people as i've met in my adult life where like this has come up and uh and like went to other high schools middle schools and other states and like similar similar events of like this these books caused rifts in people's social lives like <laughs> yeah and um yeah it's it's funny it's funny looking back you know because it's just like there could have been other things we could have been fighting about you know <laughs> any any final thoughts that you really need to get off your chest no i mean that's mainly it i just it's yeah when we see each other in person again, maybe I can convince you to watch it as a drinking game, uh, and we'll 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 get drunk watching Twilight together. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, and like this also begs the question. I watched this and I was like, "Damn!" Now I got like I feel like the responsibility to watch the rest of the movies, and so like maybe we do that as part of this podcast, you know? So like you know, let us know if you think that's interesting because. <sighs> maybe we'll do it adam will have a great time and i'll just get more and more in this low of uh what am i watching but you know i can i can only say so much because i picked a teen sex comedy for my movie you know yeah tell us about sex drive chandler <laughs> it's it's dumb and and the director and writers because i think uh i believe the director was also one of the co-writers for it they know it's dumb they know that. Um, so dumb, in fact, that the studios thought this could be like a new American Pie-esque thing. So they wanted them to release an unrated version, but they didn't have any scenes further to make it an unrated version. So literally, because I have the unrated version, because I was curious of like, what's different? Because it adds, it adds a whole 20 minutes to the movie. <laughs> I kid you not. I have seen both versions. You have? Okay, great. I have. I'll, I'll talk about that when you're you're done. <laughs> but I love it because the beginning of the movie, of the unrated version, is just the writers, Sean Anders and John Morris, reading off a teleprompter in front of a green screen <laughs> about how this is an unrated version. They're doing this because the studio wanted them to, essentially. <laughs> Uh, and to quote them, we promise lots of additional scenes, takes, and other bullshit that will make the movie way too long. And this means a lower standard of filmmaking for you, the viewer. This version of the movie is going to suck. <laughs> <laughs> like, they literally advise people to not watch this movie if they haven't seen the theatrical release. Meanwhile, there are topless women walking around behind them purely to up this rating. <laughs> Don't forget the nice dick and balls just right there, too. <laughs> it's just so... It's dumb. It's it's just dumb 
sex jokes and I love it, you know, because these guys know what they were doing, right? They don't care. They know that it's just jokes, right? This is just a dumb comedy, teen sex comedy, you know? Yes. It's not trying to be anything else. Like, they're not trying to, like, make it super impactful. It's stupid. The premise of it is stupid anyways. It's it's dumb, right? It's it's great. But, like, the people that are in it, the cameos, man. Fallout Boy. Fallout Boy is in this movie and plays three songs. <laughs> At an Amish Rum Springer concert. Yes! And a guest starring Seth Green, who is uh, plays an Amish character in this movie, and his his oh the dialogue for him is just it's, oh, it's so Seth Green. It's so great. It's so funny. It's just a fun movie. Like I I can only defend this movie that it's just a dumb comedy. That's it. And I just enjoy it. And it's just a thing I pop up every now and then when I just need something lighthearted and stupid and just like it's just dumb. It's just dumb. So. I must tell you the last time I watched this film, uh, which was the unrated version, this time I watched the original cut, was on my father's funeral service, ended, and my best friend and my girlfriend and I, they were both staying at, at the house with me and my mom and my sister, took an ungodly amount of edibles and watched... <laughs> This movie, because by the time everybody left my house from like the reception, I was significant amounts of alcohol in and I was like, I just need to decompress. I don't want to think. I was like, I just want to sit with like two people that I care about more than anything and like watch something stupid. And so my best friend, uh, which is Brett, uh, who Chandler also knows because... (laughs) We met all the same year at our contract, recommended, he was like, have you seen Sex Drive? And I had seen Sex Drive prior to this, probably closer to the 2008, like, release on, like, watched it on TV as a showing. It was not the uncut version. And Daria, my girlfriend, had no idea what she was in store for. And quite frankly, neither did we. Because Brett and I both looked at each other and we were like, I do not remember the movie starting this way. And we were just wound up. We got like 30 minutes in and the edibles started to hit, which we were in a legal state. This is not a legal behavior. We're all far over 21. We're good. And watched this movie. And I felt like I was on a different drug. Like by the time it even got to um the main dude's best friend goes and sleeps with some random woman and she shits on him. He is handcuffed to a bed. They make it seem like this is about to be some like sex scene sort of thing. And we don't actually necessarily see it, but like he winds up running out of the RV that she's in and because she took a dump on his chest. Yeah. And I sat there. Daria was asleep at that point. I was like, thank God. She like started talking about like her third eye and then like fell asleep. And I was like, that was probably for the best. Meanwhile, Brett and I are like, what the fuck is happening in this movie? Upon this watch, I wrote the note, quote, I want my dreams to be blowjobs and benching 300 pounds because that is how the movie like more or less kind of starts is like this kid 
like messaging so clearly a fake girl and he has photoshopped himself poorly onto the body of like a football player and he's like a string bean nothing wrong with string beans but he's trying to be something he's not and he she she's like oh like what do you what do you bench and he goes about 300 i'm like bullshit even in the picture that he photoshopped him onto that that football player body was not benching 300 pounds and so he falls asleep and he starts having a sex dream that the girl he's messaging who goes by the name miss tasty is giving him a head under a blanket and he is simultaneously bench pressing 300 pounds all in bed and so that is why i wrote that down because i was like you know what that is that is a great dream good good for him it's so good because it's 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 oh this movie this movie it just has it has such charm to me because it's like a teen sex comedy kevin smith movie like mall rats you know it's just you know a decade or so later since mall rats but like it plays on the tropes of like you know american pie and stuff but like does its own crazy you know left turns it's just it's hilarious and i and there's like this like dumb attention to detail at the same time that's just like so subtle, but it's like that's a Kevin Smith eye. Like, you know, these people like understand jokes like Kevin Smith does <laughs> when it comes to this kind of genre. This also means that this is the most recent thing that I've seen James Marsden in, which is directly contrasted by I've been watching that show Jury Duty on Freebie, which is fantastic i loved it that poor guy is fucked up for the rest of his life but um james marsden plays himself in that movie and or in that show so to go from watching that to seeing him in this where he plays like a very homophobic like older brother who winds up being like a little you know uh on both sides of the field sort of thing and like but he has a quote in the beginning and this also was like we said in twilight like prime early 2000s appropriation this was like prime early 2000s like we're just gonna drop a lot of queer slurs and things so you you know you really have to watch these movies with a that would never fly because that's not okay and it wasn't okay then it just wasn't like societally understood that it wasn't okay then yep yep and so like take it for what it is but he is constantly making like homophobic comments and and like you know things that he thinks are jokes to his younger brother who's the who's the main guy and he gets in the car and he says i want a straight answer are you queer and for some reason i thought that was so funny because the brilliance of just that like witty piece of dialogue like i want a straight answer are you queer? And I was like, damn, that was actually really funny. I was like, that was really good. And uh, and and so there are a lot of like more, I don't necessarily want to call that highbrow humor, but like more witty humor throughout this movie that perfectly mixed with the really fucking dumb lowbrow jokes. Yeah, because it's, it's, yeah. So the, the, the plot of this movie is this kid who, who who's a virgin, right? Because all these movies are about, you know, the main kid who's who's a virgin who wants to lose his virginity because he's behind or wants to fit in yada 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 you know stereotypical teen sex comedy trope he's been chatting up this chick who's clearly like a fishing you know clearly fishing mainly because he's got sending pictures of his 
older brother's nice uh, car, Mustang Camaro. I don't remember. Mustang. I'm pretty. I I thought it was a Mustang. Yeah, yeah I think it is. Um, so they want to rob this car from him, but we don't learn that till later in the movie, anyways. But like, it's clearly like a scam from the get go, anyways. You can perceive because it's dumb. Oh, it's a it's a Pontiac GTO Judge, a 1969. That's what it was. That's oh, it and was. that's even in and of itself the joke is it's a 1969. Uh, <laughs> Pontiac GTO. Yep. Yeah, so they ended up doing like this road trip all the way to Knoxville, Tennessee, which is funny because I spent a good chunk of time myself in Knoxville, Tennessee for uh, for a graduate program. And it's just it's 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 funny because it's just these antics that happen along the way. Like, yeah, they run into an Amish community. A bunch of people are about to go on their uh, rush springer, which is hilarious. <laughs> Maybe, you know, not kosher now, but it's the jokes made. It's funny. Like, it's it's funny. So, you see, you spent time in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I spent a good chunk of my childhood actually being around and interacting with Amish people. And I, like, lived at an Amish family's house for about a week one time when my grandfather was in the hospital. So that was very funny because I think the reason that, you know, uh, stereotypes are stereotypes is because there's always a little bit of truth in them. There was a lot of truth in some of the things that they were over exaggerating and making jokes about and things yeah I, I don't think they were trying to do it like in poor taste or anything it was just like a funny generalization kind of thing you know like how family guy does stuff it, it was like this kind of humor you know so it's just it has his audience and i'm part of that audience sadly <laughs> <laughs> but it's just funny i'm like i remember this this whole freaking uh it's like carnival Right? The whole carnival sequence, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> it's like one of my favorite things because it's just like they end up in this carnival and it's the most hilarious thing because they, like, there's jokes about like uh, doing the deed and stuff like that. And uh, there's this chick, this new chick, and she's like invited them to go to this like watch her dance because she's like a dance cheerleader or something like that. And so they're in this tent at this carnival and like don't realize like so the our main character goes up on stage because he gets dragged on stage, not knowing why zones out. Because a lot of the girls in the dance girl in the dance group like have all picked a guy. So Ian has been picked by this this new this new girl. Right. Yeah. 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 So he's up on stage and like he starts zoning out because he's a dumb teenage boy with dumb hair hormones because he sees off stage the dancers changing and it's just like full nudity over there and it's just silly and ridiculous because that would never be a thing right so it's just just yeah even the reality of that is just stupid but like there's a pregnant girl talking about her time and it's and it's this whole abstinence thing it's an abstinence thing yep it's an abstinence and celibacy like rally and he starts getting a boner watching them. And the the like announcement person calls him on it. Yeah, I, I find it so funny because I am like those his friends who are sitting down watching him because they try to warn him. And then they're just like, he missed it. This is just going to be hilarious at this point. <laughs> like they're there to see each other get made fun of. And I'm like that. That is like me and my friends. Like that is also. So there's a lot of tropes in this movie, which I think, you know, maybe is what makes it the guilty pleasure side too. Like it's your typical, like hey, the best friend is like a super nerd who gets all the girls and like is having all of the sex like that's versus like the main guy. You've got like the girl best friend who 
like he winds up like being into she's like i said i wrote down goth girlfriend like she's got those vibes she's like she's like the goth girlfriend that every like video game guy like best friend like winds up like falling for the like older brother being like a macho asshole and that in and of itself also which like is a trope that should die but like the i'm homophobic because i'm gay thing so he it's that trope but the two characters who i adore are the stoner bros i can't tell you their names for the life of me but they're so funny it is like they are just burnouts absolute burnouts with the confidence of a six foot two like d1 athlete and they are iconic they just have little moments throughout the whole movie and they i live for them yeah it was andy and randy it was like something dumb rhyming uh, something like that that honestly sounds accurate yeah and that's just because it's just it, they, they have this it, it's a funny thing because it's like they, they always shoot their shot and they always miss right and it's just it's hilarious because it's just like it's just like complete juxtaposition to to our main guy uh ian because he just is too scared you know he's too self-conscious yada 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 typical trope um yeah it's just uh, yeah it's just a fun movie you know extra jerk big brother like that's like straight from john hughes you know like classic john hughes movies like there's just like all these tropes pulling and and it's like it's like it's like the movie not another teen movie but like different you know because it's less meta you know it's more like we're still like having a story here but like we know what we're doing making fun of all the tropes and stuff and it should be noted that in the extended cut version throughout all of this plot there are just green screened in naked people who just walk across the stage nude or like not stage lol theater brain um who just walk across this the screen naked to up the rating they are like very clearly not actually there because they weren't when it was being filmed and they're just like layered on top yeah i mean like that's it it's, it's nothing special it's fun so if you want a dumb fun teen sex comedy that you know is different than most of them kind of thing check out sex drive and the ridiculousness of the movie starts with them going on this road trip to like go hook up with Miss Tasty. And when the best, the girl best friend, Felicia, finds out, they, Ian like can't tell her. So he's like, oh, we're going, we're going to visit grandma's. So then at the end of the movie, um, this is, and I guess technically spoiler alert, when he gets the girl being Felicia and they're about to bone, she's like, let's go visit grandma's. And then they have <laughs> sex. <laughs> and it's the just most, oh God, just awful way. They did a great job at making a sex movie with no sex appeal. Yeah. No, yeah. Throughout the movie, the references to grandma is just hilarious. I'm like, there's just some funny dialogue here. And like, and they let people that they, all these like cameos of people improv as it goes kind of thing. So it's a comedy movie. You're going to let Seth Green improv like crazy as his Amish. I love it. It's just like, no, we don't mind. Don't think about it. But man, we have lots of chores you could help out with. And it's just like, yeah, because it just makes like people feel bad about doing favors. <laughs> and it's just great. It's just like how it's done, how he how he presents it. And it's just it's just it's just so good. One of the things if you in the I think it's in the first literally like maybe 10 or 15 minutes of the movie that is worth going and watching if you didn't catch it because I cracked up. So Ian works at the mall at this like donut 
shop thing. When he is walking to the little stand, all of a sudden there is like a montage of like him looking at all of the girls in the mall and being like, and it's clear that he's like finding them attractive because they're playing like sexy music. Everything's in slow-mo, whatever. And it's for the most part, it's like very mundane mediocre not mediocre but like average looking people like they're not showing like supermodels in this moment but it's things like uh, a, a girl who's like bra straps are showing and like things like that like like very just like normal like girls and then in the middle of that they, in this montage there's just a girl chewing on her hair and that, even though everything else was so mundane was such a pivot I was like wow Ian is really digging this girl who's fully chewing on her hair in the middle of this like sexy quote unquote montage. I think that goes in directly what I was just saying previously of sex drive. There's no sex appeal in this movie. It's just ridiculous hormones and stupidity. And it's just joke after joke. It's great. It's just a comedy. It's dumb, stupid, early 2000s, has not aged well comedy. So yeah, bear that in mind. If, if you get easily offended... Might not be the movie for you. Completely fair. No judgment here. One of those things where it's like, if I hadn't watched it previously, I would not find it enjoyable, probably. Maybe. Yeah. 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 We're we're ones who like grew up watching it when it came out kind of thing. So it has this dumb nostalgia. So next week, we are going to start our Breaking Bad. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, we are. We are. We're starting with season one, episodes one through four, because I figure, you know, season one's short. It's got like seven episodes or something like that. So I was like split it in two. And I think we will have enough to talk about with those first four episodes. Awesome. I'm excited to finally dive into what it's all about. So, yeah, I'm excited because it's 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 been great starting starting to rewatching that for me because I'm like, oh, so much good writing. Yeah. So it's exciting. It's exciting. Yeah, so yeah, you've been listening to Resonant Reels. You can find us on all the fun podcasting platforms, Apple Music, Spotify, all the places. We've got ideas for things we should watch or themes and finding weird rabbit holes of movies or television. Let us know. I'm, I am one of those people that just like give me an idea and I'll go find a random list of movies and be crazy about it. But yeah, please follow, rate, podcast on all those platforms, whatever works. You know, I think it's like Apple Music has like a rating system and comments or something. Yeah. And then just spread the word. Spread the word. Word of mouth helps us the most. Get people to listen. We're, we're just doing this for fun. We just, if you enjoy it, let people know if they think they'll enjoy it, you know? Like, review, and subscribe. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Catch you later.